G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 17 of the Outback Mine podcast. Very grateful and, and really, really happy to have uh, a fellow by the name of Graham Cowman uh, on the podcast with me today. Graham was one of the co-founders of Are You OK Day, uh, which has been going strong for about uh, 10 years or more. Uh, now, Graham uh, came to uh, basically starting this, this up because of his own mental health issues. He had uh, a really tough four years um, struggling with depression and it basically got to a stage where he was ready to take his own life. I've read his suicide, no- uh, suicide note and um, yeah, the poor man was, uh, was in a bad way and uh, there's lots of guys out there that, uh, that experience this um, you know, more and more often. So we're here to raise awareness about depression and mental health uh, today through our conversation. I uh, really would like your feedback on this conversation. It can um, be challenging for some people to listen to, uh, to, to stories of depression, but I really would like you to provide feedback on, on what your thoughts uh, were on our conversation. If there's anything that we can do to help you on your way to be able to provide support. Uh, and assist you uh, with getting the help that you may need to be able to overcome a challenge that you have in your life. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. Uh, I'm sure you'll find uh, lots of it very, very uh, interesting, inspiring, and uh, foundational as we sort of work towards making changes in uh, men's mental well-being throughout Australia. Graham Cowman, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Lovely to join you, Aaron. Uh, really, uh, really grateful for you uh, for you uh, making time to speak with me, mate, and uh, and get uh, get your journey and uh, and your experience and skills and tools to be able to manage mental health out to regional Australia. So uh, appreciate you being here, mate. Um, I just wanted to go through your journey, so just to get people um, uh, aware of, of, of Graham Cowman, where you sort of were born and where you sort of came from, um, and how your journey sort of unfolded till now. If you'd like to run us through, if possible. Yeah, no, no, no worries. I um, I grew up a country boy as well. I yeah. grew up in a place called Tari, which is about three hours north of uh, Sydney, yeah. and um, I, you know was pretty active uh, in sport growing up played uh, you know rugby league and uh, cricket and swimming and and then i had a year overseas in canada as a rotary exchange student came back to sydney to start uh, university and without really realizing when i was about 21 i think it was i had my first serious episode of uh, depression but i didn't know what it was um and i i sort of got over it by myself um, and then over the years I've had probably about four or five serious episodes and um, the last one happened when there was a really uh, serious market correction and uh, I was working in a management consulting firm and the work suddenly dried up and uh, I really had this high level of stress and even though I had uh, depression before this was in a whole different league I was uh, out of work five years um, my marriage broke down I became estranged from my kids and had to go back and live um, with my parents in in foster they'd retired out to foster mm. and uh, it was a very slow recovery it involved um, you know eventually starting to exercise regularly um, my mood improved a little bit about with doing that that led to me reaching out to friends and I'd really isolated myself when I was going through a tough time. Uh, I then began meditation 
And I tried meditating when I was really depressed and it didn't work. But uh, this really, I, I really was able to get quite a bit of, um, you know, peace and relaxation this time. Yeah. And it really, really helped. And then, and then I made a decision to write my first book, which was called Back from the Brink. And there was something about working on something which wasn't just for me, it was working for, for someone else that made it really meaningful. And uh, I interviewed a number of well-known and everyday Australians about their journey bouncing back from depression or anxiety. And um, it was a fantastic experience. It really helped um, me to not just, I guess, learn myself, but also share stories of other people They've done some really, really inspiring things. And, uh, and then it was launched at the Black Dog Institute. It was uh, John Brogdon, the former opposition leader that uh, launched it. And uh, that led to, I guess, my next career. When, when those books came out, I was actually asked to speak in a number of regional areas in Queensland, in New South Wales and Victoria. And uh, as you would know, Aaron, there's not a lot of services that have traditionally been out there often a shortage of um, psychologists and psychiatrists. And so they really appreciated, you know, just getting the perspective of a, you know, a guy who's sort of been there and, and worked out how to bounce back. And then through the books, I met uh, Gavin Larkin, the founder of Are You OK? back in 2009. And really, when I heard about the idea behind it, that a conversation could change your life, I really felt that it just resonated with me because it was my experience my parents supported me when i couldn't support myself and uh we really got behind it it was really tough in that first year we had no money or employees but we just had a real blinding belief in the purpose of it and then we launched it it uh, did well and it's been incredibly rewarding to see how it has grown in impact after uh, 12 years now mm. and uh now, as you would know, very well known around Australia, which is um, incredibly rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much an annual thing to be able to, to tune into Are You Okay? Are okay? I've been able to go and speak in workplaces uh, on this particular day um, uh, for a few years. I've been invited in and, uh, and spoke about uh, uh, mental health and workplace wellbeing, and we'll touch on workplace wellbeing more as the conversation goes, but um, it's, it's really uh, really come a long way compared to where things were in 2009, so I really congratulate you and Gavin for being able to sort of step up and, and really stay strong with what you've done here to make uh, make this um, you know, a success, and that would have taken lots of maybe self-doubt uh, along the way when you weren't getting the support, but eventually the support came. Yeah, lots of uh, ups and downs and valleys and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we were able to have a, a really good team very early. And we also, right from the start, focused on social media and, you know, things like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And it was all digital, essentially. And I think that was fundamental in helping it to spread so quickly. Mm. We weren't asking money, we weren't asking people to don donate money, we're asking them to donate their time to reach out to people that were important to them. And I think that was a real fundamental reason why it has been so successful. Mm, absolutely. Um, realistically, Graham, we, we, we talk about uh, depression and anxiety quite a bit, but there's still lots of guys out there struggling maybe known maybe unknown to it um with regards to the way that society is these days it's quite stimulating and challenging and 
Um, I believe mental health uh, uh, issues have probably escalated quite a bit since 2009 with presentations and, uh, and just uh, uh, things that have changed in our lives in general. Um, it's, it's interesting, we would never have had these conversations back in 2009. That was the year that I actually like, got to a stage where I almost took my own life. Um, I got made redundant from a job. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to tell my wife about it. Um, I, I basically was at the, the bottom of the barrel, um, pretty much like what you were, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I almost, almost took action. Um, and yeah, I, I'm so grateful that I, I, I was diverted from that because I guess through that, it's actually given me the ability to be able to speak about my own experiences as, as have you, uh, you have with yours, uh, to be able to help guys that have sort of taken the same journey to, as me. And I guess, Graham, you know, one thing that sort of come to me over the years is just how educated I was to support the economy, but I never really had the ability to be able to have the self-awareness within myself. Um, yeah. And I, I outsourced that, you know, like any time I had a, a physical health issue, it would be to a GP, but I wouldn't want to go to a, you know, a, a professional about a mental health problem. And I never actually understood what a mental health problem was. I just thought it was just a case of toughening up and, um, and not showing my emotions and so forth. And I couldn't talk to my wife primarily about how I, how I felt um, uh, because, you know, I'd, I'd lost my, my job. I'd never probably had the, the income source that I tr- traditionally, uh, you know, was used to earning. And it was just, you go into that sort of um, uh, protection mode, I guess, and uh, the fear and all those sorts of things start coming in, the shame all around it and the guilt and all that type of stuff. And I was stuck in that, uh, that mindset. And um, yeah, it took me a while to actually move through that, I suppose. And I guess you would have got to that stage yourself, um, you know, all those years ago when you sort of got to that state where you had put that suicide note out and, um, and uh, sort of felt yourself uh, at such a low point. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, blokes have been socialised to be problem solvers and to, you know, sort things out. And, you know, I, I felt that I should have been able to sort it out. Um, and I think that's often how a lot of men get to a really, really critical stage because sadly in Australia, men account for between 75% and 80% of suicides. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons for that is that they're not good. And I put myself in this category. Mm. of reaching out and seeking help. They're not good at sharing uh, what's going on for them and, and often tend to self-medicate, you know, with uh, alcohol or other drugs. Mm. But, uh, you know, through really coming through a very serious situation myself, I've always made since then a priority of developing some really good male relationships and, uh, you know, where, you know, you enjoy being together, you do it regularly, but also you can talk about the, the, the bad stuff that's going on as well. You know, if work's not going well or a relationship's not going well, you, you've got someone to talk it through. And mm. I didn't have that level of, um, I guess, intimacy with, with my male relationships before I went through that really tough time. That mm. taught me that it's just so critical to our well-being to have um, supportive relationships around us where we can also be very authentic and uh, discuss what's worrying us. Yeah, absolutely. I guess too, you know, males in general maybe only have one, two, three close friends that they that they can openly share things with, and um, 
Uh, is that is that quite common? Uh, that sort of that sort of ratio. How is it sort of stacking up these days? Well, there's still you know there's a big issue with men and close relationships. You know, there's people that you know you can talk about all sorts of things, maybe you know finances and all that sort of stuff, but often not around emotions. And um, I had a call just recently, and it was from this guy who usually went away for a weekend with uh, three mates. And he said that, you know, they were really concerned about this guy. Um, a real part of their weekend and their friendship was putting shit on each other, you know, having a joke yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But he, he asked me, you know, do you think that's advisable in this sort of situation? And I just said to him, look, you know, when someone's vulnerable, when their mood is fragile, they can take that on board, they can believe it. And so I really would encourage you not to do it in that sort of situation or to really cut it back a bit and really try to have a, um, you know, a frank and honest discussion just to see if, to ask, are you okay? Say, mm. look, I've noticed these changes. I'm worried about you, how are you going? Mm. Um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't often come easily in groups of our relationships. You know, that's, a bit of a generalisation, but it also is very much backed up by the evidence as well. Men don't see GPs in as often. They don't see psychologists as often. And yet, as I said, they account for between 75 and 80% of the suicides. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and those, those m remarks, uh, you know, they, they may be sort of in context and in fun primarily, but that can just be as damaging as a blow to the body. So a blow to the heart, you know, Paul Ruse and I sort of spoke about it uh, a while back. Um, that can be really, really hard to, uh, to for, for a man to actually shift because if you get uh, slang and, and uh, gutter talk, I like to call it sometimes, uh, when you're vulnerable and when you're in that, that dark space, it can be really, really hurtful and, and hard to move on. So it's a great point you've made up there. If you do notice that someone's actually going through a tough time, the, 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 the comments, you know, have got to be um, more positive rather than just, uh, I suppose, um, off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, so that's that's an important thing. And, um, you know, you're know you you're from a country town like I am and, 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 and I suppose it's part of our upbringing to be able to slang off at each other and call each other's name or each other names and um, all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, we've got to try and shift that a little bit, just be a little bit more smart and savvy with regards to the way that we communicate. And, um, um, you know, the supportive side of things is, is, is so important. Uh, getting back to what I mentioned about having the couple of close friends that you can really talk about anything and everything... Um, it's really sort of trying to have that sort of same mindset and be careful with your words when you are speaking to people uh, because it could uh, hit them at a vulnerable time. Um, I think we've, we've, we've made some significant changes over the years with regards to the way that, uh, that employees are managing the workplace, sports people are managing the sporting organisation, um, but we've still got a bit of work to do. And, you know, Graham, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the workplace. I'm, I'm very passionate about it. So... I, I, I sort of ran um, large groups of men in the workplace uh, for years uh, through labour hire. I, I had guys hired out to various organisations, um, yep. you know, both large and small. And um, uh, I, I experienced burnout myself through work, so I, I, I get it. Um, but, you know, I saw over my journey, over observing, you know, thousands of employers primarily, not many that actually did 
uh, workplace health and workplace mental health very well. Um, and really, uh, I'd like to get your your um, your comments on how you think that's actually evolving. Have we sort of come very far with regards to that, or are we still at a long way to go? We have made progress. You know, there's a lot more talk about it, and I think the, uh, the you know the pandemic really um, put that on steroids because there was just so much change and volatility with um, you know how things happened and how it changed day to day. So there has been some quite good progress in there. There still is a lot of stigma, like uh, you know people might know what it is, but it's always hard for someone to disclose it and talk honestly about that and we're we are making some progress but um this still is a bit a bit to go i i've really found that in the workplace uh, language is really critical and so for example when i usually talk to crowds i don't so much talk about uh you know depression or anxiety i talk about a, a moodometer mm. and how we you know slide up and down our moods so that everyone's can go down um, and and some people stay down for quite a while but we could also learn things that help us to bounce back and that is within our control largely and uh, but you know mood is uh, everyone can relate to it you know because we all have our ups and downs but but I also share when we are in the green zone in the upper third of mood on top where you know research tells us that we're 31 percent more productive mm. 37 percent more influential and 300 percent more creative mm. and these are all you know really important um qualities to have when you know there's so much uh, change yeah i agree um one thing that came to mind while, while you were speaking was um i uh an organization i was working for i was teaching them um yoga and meditation uh male dominated workforce primarily uh, that 10 minutes before they started their day just grounded them so significantly that they were all back to themselves, all the agitation had sort of got out of the mind, the sleepiness had actually moved on just by doing some breathing practices and actually giving them um, an opportunity to centre. And the product, yeah, yeah the, well, the productivity and the, um, and the camaraderie in the workplace, you know, improved significantly. And, um, there's a lot in that, like just an investment, a small investment in time for an employer can have such a tremendous impact to uh, the culture within the organisation and also the ability to be able to uh, get a better return uh, from productivity, but also the, the, the less risk that we have with regards to health and safety. And, you know, I've, I've been really big. Uh, I started in, in those industries in about 2001, and I just saw a huge gap there on, on how reactive we were to health and safety, but there was not much done about prehabilitation, you know? Um, it was yeah. always sort of fixing guys when they were injured physically, but also, uh, you know, mentally, obviously, is, is such a significant thing as well. Um, you know, being able to keep people um, less fatigued and, and sort of uh, having their batteries more full rather than flat, and that's when accidents happen. And I just think there's a, a tremendous um, need to be able to uh, embrace more of a prehabilitative culture in the workplace moving forward. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And that's, uh, that's something that I'd like to try and work towards, you know, particularly in rural Australia, to, to help educate uh, employers just to invest that little bit more in, uh, in their people um, rather than having the, uh, you know, the sponge cakes and, um, and the, the beers after work. You know, like let's actually reset that and give people the tools that they can 
used to be able to, you know, work their their physical health a little bit better and their mental health a little bit better by practices that get them, you know, back to feeling, um, you know, in alignment again. And I guess, you know, Graham, a lot of guys primarily are going to work not feeling great most days. They're usually fatigued, they're tired. Um, a lot of them spend time on their devices late in the night, they don't sleep really well. And that sort of uh, mindset takes quite a bit to, uh, to sh- pardon me, to shift once they actually get into the workplace. So doing some things in the morning that can actually help reconnect, um, you know, make a big difference as you sort of alluded to with regards to meditation and so forth. Yeah, and I think there's also ways in which, um, you know, leaders manage groups as well. And, you know, one of the really important things that um, everyone wants is to have a sense of belonging. Mm. And that can come through, you know, (laughs) just doing things together, whether it's before or after work or during work. It can be also important is, is feeling safe and that it's okay to take moderate risks in the team to try new things. And, and also the third element that people really yearn for is is to really be involved in the decisions in the team, to feel like they're included. Yes. And uh, leaders that can build that sense of connection, can build that sense of psychological safety mm-hmm. and the shared future um, improves people's mental health and their engagement and their discretionary effort. It's um, you know, it, it's not something <laughs> nice to have. I really think it is essential in uh, this day and age to have a successful team in the workplace. Absolutely, and very, very relevant, you know, psychological safety. So I would say that, geez, less than, well, probably probably 80% uh, of employees out there would actually feel safe in their jobs, you know, um, whether that's through uh, performance or whether that's through um a variety of different factors like people go to work in fear a lot uh you don't know what to expect but if you've got a really strong workplace where everyone's supporting each other that connectivity as you said is so important it's um it was evident with say richmond football club uh and what they've been able to achieve um since they made some changes back in 2017 um because they actually like they they become so, so supportive of each other um but, you know, a lot of workplaces don't have that, um, you know, so that that's the gap that I think we need to be able to close moving forward. And it, it also it also starts with schools and uh, and the pathway through to employment. You know, if you've got that ability to be able to come into life you know, with with some reassurance, then you're going to be happier and healthier inside and out of the workplace, I, I would have thought. Yeah, and I, I very much follow that journey of Richmond and you know their three H sessions I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah with I that. am yeah absolutely yeah so it was uh, you know hardships highlights and heroes yeah. and um, you know people just spoke you know really um, in a authentic and uh, often vulnerable way about uh, some real difficulties they had but understanding that others were really honest about that really did build that sense of trust and connection and uh, that was essential and then basically going from 12th place to winning the premiership was uh, a mighty turnaround succeeding um you know if you if you translate that into the workplace there's geez, a lot, lots of workplaces where there is imbalance primarily but geez, if these if these structures were actually like um, I suppose put into the workplace the ability for, for, for guys to be able to 
have that reassurance within themselves and within their team can have a profound effect on, on their performance uh, inside and out of the workplace, uh, as, as I mentioned, but just their, their, their well-being in general. So there's such a lesson to be learnt in that, um, you know, with what's, what's actually obviously become evident with their success at Richmond, uh, but more so the success that they've actually had as individuals rather than the rewards that they've had as premierships. So I believe these guys have just had such a uh, uh, profound um, learning experience over this uh, this journey, which is going to help them uh, be better humans um, you know, moving in uh, to post-career or post-football life uh, that they're going to be able to keep with them forever, you know. So this, this sort of information you know, I'd like to see more available to... Uh, to mainstream uh, guys out there, you know, in the sports uh, environment, but also in the workplace as well, uh, because it's our birthright to be, uh, to be, you know, feeling safe and, and happy and well. And uh, if we're not sort of feeling that way, that can take us to self-destructive behaviours and take us to a place where we do have poor mental health, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. So we, uh, yeah, we fall off the perch pretty quickly. So. You know, daily practices, uh, as as you mentioned, uh, is important. I believe you, you do some meditation still, and do you do anything to keep yourself physically fit and well? Yeah, I've, I've just learned that they're essential to my mental health. Like I, I do get up most mornings around 5.30 and meditate for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then do some some form of exercise. Uh, you know, there's uh, I go to the gym a couple of days a week and do some uh, weight training. I go for a bit of a jog twice a week and um, and also walk with some friends. So mm. I've just learned that they're fundamental to me staying mentally well as well mm. as physically well and uh, they're just so closely linked it's not funny <laughs> for yeah. me anyway. Agree and you know as humans uh, we're, we're, I think we're meant to move, uh, we're meant to be doing these things that actually keep us, uh, that keep us you know, balanced and, and get the, the blood flowing around the body uh, we seem to be denatured now where we're sitting in offices, we're sitting in cars, we're sitting and looking in front of devices and that's not really great for our, our well-being. Um, so I believe uh, an early morning practice is, is really great to settle the mind because it helps you become more connected before you start your day uh, and these are the sorts of things that I guess uh, if we start to embrace as men, uh, we'll start to uh, become a little bit more balanced and that can uh, impact our lives and also everyone else around us. Yeah, very much so. So Graham, uh, really appreciate your time. We won't, uh, we won't uh, hold you up too long, but uh, I'd like you to um, maybe pass on to the listeners how they might be able to connect with you and maybe get you out to speak in the workplace possibly as well if, uh, if that's uh, a possibility in the future. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, details about me can be found on uh, LinkedIn or my website. But um, you know, typically, I work with leaders and teams about how they can work better together mm. to really prize self-care, which is taking care of ourselves, mm. crew care, which is having you know a supportive and uh, fun group around us, and and also red zone care, which is knowing how to identify someone who's struggling to ask are you okay and be able to guide them to help the help they need so they're they're the main elements that i work on and it's become you know very very rewarding i've also been um the co-founder of a business called uh, we care and basically that's scalable training to help people to support each other to ask are you okay but also to know how to guide them to help 
and uh, we've been lucky to um, you know provide that, that e-learning services to groups like uh, you know Volkswagen and mm. SDF Australian Stock Exchange and uh, hopefully this is again uh, a step in just having greater mental health literacy in the workplace yes. and just people having the knowledge how to ask the question and how to help if someone says no I'm not okay mm, that's right absolutely to be able to respond positively and uh, and give people the tools and uh, the support and pathways to be able to uh, to manage uh, what's going on in their lives a little bit more effectively yeah that's right Graham thank you much for uh, very much for your time mate. really appreciate it and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, be having uh, more conversations in the future so I thank you very much been great joining you Aaron thanks for you cheers mate there you go, guys. Uh, thank you for joining in for that conversation. Graham, um, yeah, look, uh, we're, we're so fortunate to have him here with us because it could have went the other way quite easily for him. Uh, and uh, look at all the good that's come out of it. So if you are struggling with something at the moment, know that it'll pass. Um, these things that, uh, that trap us and, and get us stuck in our life uh, move on. They, they, they move on it's a matter of being aware enough to understand where you're at seek the help that you need to be able to get through this period i know graham still suffers from depression from time to time as well so it's not a not a uh, an easy fix uh, with this stuff so being able to continually uh, do the things that keep uh, us help happy, happy healthy and well uh, but realize when we do uh, need that help it's okay to uh, you know go out and seek support so Appreciate you uh, listening in. Uh, if you'd like to touch base with me, uh, as I said uh, at the start, uh, provide some feedback. Uh, support at outbackmind.com.au uh, would be would be great. Uh, or just via the website outbackmind.com.au. Um, and uh, yeah, more good guests coming up. Don't worry about that. Really looking forward to getting some good quality content out there to you guys to be able to listen in and uh, help support each other in your communities. Thanks very much for your time, guys. Cheers.